clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Simultaneous catch, folks. I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. I am Josh Lappin. And his, your mic is no longer spiking, right? It looks a-okay. Oh, thank God, that's wonderful. And look, mine's in a nice, reasonable sound, right? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever. I'm not getting crazy. I just, I the last couple episodes I listened to, I'm very with my with my stop plosives. It's very jarring sometimes. So you just think that the that's the last couple episodes. Thanks for listening to the show, guys. I <laughs> appreciate that you listen. Um, so, I don't remember my friend's fortune literally at all. I don't know if I made one, and I don't, I don't, I, like I, I don't know why I don't remember, but I can probably just assume I got it wrong. I think I probably got mine right. Anyway, let's do rant rave recall. <laughs> I'm raving about the United States men's team football. The high toe. Yeah, the high toe. Uh, actually, all joking aside, I do want to. I'm this. This is not really about American football, but I do want to say something, and I'll count it as my rave, because um, we have a lot. We have a lot to get to in this episode, but I'm gonna count it as my rave. I'm gonna rave about soccer for a second here, football. Uh, well, for one reason, because it's cool that we made it the round of 16, the elimination round. That's cool. But I saw something today that recently, I don't know how recently, but the there was. A, a rule that was in that put in place for the national teams that both men and women, when either of the club wins, a portion of the earnings or the other club also earns winnings. So because the United States men's team made it to the round of 16, uh, the elimination round, knockout round in the World Cup, the United States women's team got paid. And they not only got paid, they made more money off of the men's team moving to the knockout round than they made in the last World Cup that they won. So I just, I think that, or maybe it's not the last World Cup they won, but one of the recent World Cups that they won, they didn't make as much money um, as they did off of like the sort of profit sharing of the men's team. And I wanted just to rave about, I don't know who made up that rule. I don't know who worked on putting it into place, but I think that's really wonderful because I think, because the women's team has been dominant for so long and they've won so many things and it's just a damn shame. Sorry if that's crossing a line on our G-rated podcast. You're going to have to bleep that out. It's a beep shame that 
that this is the they've made more money off of the men not even like winning anything crazy just moving on from the first group stage right um so we'll just rave about that that's pretty cool i don't know who worked on that and did that but if you're listening i know you're listening thanks i think that's really awesome oh man look at that anyway back to you my friend some soccer love uh i'm going to rave and this might be a little bit of a weird rave but i'm gonna rave about rookie head coaches Specifically, rookie head coaches coming in and giving their players, their teams, a newfound confidence. This is a great, great rave. I'm glad that you're doing this. Um, so obviously, we've had mixed success with with rookie head coaches this year. We've had the bottom of the barrel with Nathaniel Hackett, some struggles with Josh McDaniels in Vegas, but we've also seen the flip side of Brian Dable going to New York and infusing confidence in them, and whether or not you really believe that they deserve to have the record they do right now or that their two-game losing streak right now is showing a little bit more of what they are. Dayball has definitely brought something to New York that they haven't had in quite some time. I think the same can be said a little bit about Kevin O'Connell. I think Kirk Cousins is more confident now than he's been a long time because he's not I think I would agree with I think I would agree with that. He's not terrified of his head coach and making a mistake and getting chewed out or anything of those natures. But really I wanna be a little bit of a homer right now and talk about Mike McDaniel and just the the real honesty that Tua showed this past week. Uh, during interviews and whatnot of saying like last year there were numerous times that he went home and looked in the mirror and said do I suck am I not good at this thing that I've invested my entire life my career years and years and years playing and perfecting and practicing Mike McDaniel the day he was hired called to on on a video call and said I hope this is the best day of your career which also I want to point this out on the plane such an awkward like when I saw that video <laughs> I'm assuming that's the one you're talking about yes he looks so awkward in that video and I was like I don't like this guy and now I've been sending you countless Mike McDaniel content because I think he's the greatest thing <laughs> but he made a, a 700 play or clip of 700 plays of Tua to be like, this is what you do really well. This is what we're going to maximize, and this is what our offense is going to be. So just coming in, and it just really shows that having somebody that supports you, that believes in you, can really make the world a difference. And so I really like that. That's Going back a couple weeks ago, you asked me who I thought would be the kind of out of left field coaching fire. And I said, Ron Rivera, because I think we're seeing these young guys come in and infuse this confidence in teams. And I feel like Washington, I mean, they are obviously on this win streak right now, but I feel like for years, it's been a team that just hasn't had that confidence, that boost to be like, we're going to take this next step. Now they're showing it right now. That's great. And that's awesome. So maybe I could be wrong. We said it three weeks ago before they were truly on this run, which I think is special and could warrant me being egg on my face. But I think I, I really love that for a long time we saw rookie head coaches being like, okay, well, we got to give them the mulligan year. Where right now we're seeing the last handful of years, I think a couple of years, I mean, Brandon Staley kind of, he didn't make the playoffs, but they did a lot of great things and were aggressive and kind of changed our culture there. I think we're seeing young coaches be like, hey, like we can do this and we can get these guys, we can relate to these guys and we can believe in them and make them believe in themselves. And that can go really, really far. I couldn't. I could not agree more with this. And I, like the. I have the video saved of when they were discussing the. It was was on a a, a morning show where they discussed the seven hundred clip thing of McDaniel to two. And I'm like, that's just. That's not even just an amazing coaching thing. That's just an amazing. Uh, not even boss, but just like when you have a relationship with somebody, a real honest relationship. 
looking at somebody in a low moment and being like, I know you're low right now and I understand that. I know people are on you, but these are the reasons why you're actually great and we're going to make sure that you are that more often than not. There's just yeah. something so powerful about that. So a lot bigger than football. We haven't had a bigger than football in a while, but that's that's absolutely for sure one of them. It really is. To completely change a man's career trajectory. Yeah. So obviously Mike McDaniel is the guy that was like, yeah, but like I think it, you see it throughout the landscape of the NFL right now in a lot of different cities. I 1,000% agree. Uh, just to, before we wrap up Rant Rant Review Call, I have real numbers, and I want to make sure I don't sound like a total idiot about this. Uh, the United States women's national team <laughs> earned more money from its male equivalent reaching the knockout stage than it did winning its own tournaments in 2015 and 2019 as a result of the equal pay agreement forged earlier this year between the United States Soccer Federation, the United States Women's National Team Players Association, and the United States National Soccer Team Players Association that the men and women's teams split all World Cup earnings, which is a lot more than I realized um, because... Where is this right here? Uh, FIFA's website details the prize fund for this men's 2020 tournament run. Uh, teams that finished ninth and 16th. So any team that gets knocked out this next round, doesn't matter. They earn $13 million per team. So that means the women's national team will earn $6.5 million in contrast when they made $6 million in, its to in total for its successive World Cup runs in 2016 and 2019. Um Two million in 2015 and four million in 2019. So the women's cup total prize money in 2019 was 30 million dollars total, which was double from 2015, which is crazy. Um, so 30 million dollars total. If the men's w wins the world's cup this year, their total prize money will be 440 million. I oh, feel like I'm so, listening to an investment podcast right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I'm but, just pointing it out. That is awesome. Like, the, it's incredible, and it's a real hard number, right? It's not like, here's a little bit, right? It's like, no, whatever we do, we're, we're going to split it, yeah. right? And I think that's really awesome, and that's really cool. That is neat. It, it, takes, it takes big steps like that to get true equity, right? We can talk about all we want about um, equality for all genders, races, but it takes real, honest, like strong movement like that to, to earn true equity. So, regardless... Uh, from something, uh, not so, not so for something, two things great to talk about to something maybe not so great to talk about news and notes, <laughs> news and notes. We have to talk about Deshaun Watson. We've put it off for 12, 13 weeks. I, a part of it has been a concerted effort by me, the man who writes the rundowns. I haven't wanted to talk about it. Um, not, for a lot of reasons, not because I'm afraid to talk about it, but just because it's a really hard topic to talk about. Um, but I feel like we have to, because he will make his first start. Uh, as a starter for the Cleveland Browns this weekend against his former team, the Houston Texans. Uh, just a, a quick rundown for everybody who's not fully tapped into the Deshaun Watson situation that some people maybe who are, uh, but don't know all the details. Here are the main details of the Deshaun Watson situation. Obviously, before allegations of sexual assault came out, uh, he had told the Houston Texans that he wanted out. So there was almost a full year of us being like excited about where's Deshaun going to go. He's going to completely change the complexion of the NFL. And then, of course, uh, 26 uh, lawsuits were filed against Deshaun Watson alleging sexual assault connected with uh, personal massages, things like that. Um, 25 out of those 26 lawsuits has since been settled. Uh, 29 overall cases have been settled, but 25 of the of the actual 26 full-on lawsuits were settled. Um uh, except for one, uh, she has been pretty open about her name. It's Lauren Baxley. Um, she's been pretty open about that. Another wrinkle in this is that uh, Busby, the lawyer who represented the 26 women, uh, invited 
uh, all of them to come to the game on Sunday, and 10 of them will be there with the lawyer. Um, they said, uh, quote, uh, you thought that you could put this behind you, but we're still here, end quote. That's what they said. But this is going to happen. Sean Watson's going to start a football game, and I have a lot of feelings, emotions, and thoughts about it. Uh, I'll toss it to you to start us, um, but obviously this will be an interesting conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. I personally, I don't know how to feel about them all going to the game. I understand the the mo- motives, maybe not the right word, but the idea, the feelings, the the idea behind it. I like the like the sentiment behind everybody. Just sorry to interrupt real quick. The sentiment behind. We didn't talk about this for 13 weeks, right, on our podcast, which is about football. The sentiment of people haven't been talking about this anymore. People are trying to put this behind him. The Cleveland Browns organization has obviously tried to put it behind him. So the sentiment behind, we're going to show up and force you to not ignore this, I, I do think is very strong. So I, the reason, well, so we haven't talked about it, but every single Browns game you watch, they do talk about it. They're not being like, oh, Jacoby Brissett is the star of this team. They talk about Deshaun Watson and the accusations and all those things. And a lot of people have been under fire because they don't talk about it in serious depth or whatnot. Because, I mean, they're there to talk about a football game on 4.30 or primetime or whatever. Sure, yeah. I don't think it's the announcer's fault that they don't do it. I hope that – and what I think is going to happen, which I hope doesn't, is that they're going to put these women on screen and be like, here are the people. And it's going to become like, oh, like this is – like for show or something along those lines. Like I don't, if they're there, that's great. I love the sentiment, but I don't think they're doing it to be like, Oh, our faces are on TV now. And like, here we are. And like, we want to just, I think they want it to be a silent protest to Deshaun Watson himself versus like, Oh look America, like we're here doing this thing because you know, all the people that are, been like, oh, like this is made up or this is over exaggerated. They're like, oh, look, now they're on TV and now they're gonna get whatever XYZ. So I just hope it's not utilized in that. I'm way. also, I agree with you. I'm also pretty positive that the women who decide not to go is probably because of what you just said. They're probably afraid of people continuing to say things like that, right? So, but to get into the a little bit of the the difficulties of having to watch Deshaun Watson play football. And I brought this up to you. This is the one of the only times we've talked about it uh, off air because it's just some, something I like to discuss because it's just gross and weird. And it's frankly upsetting to like a sport that can still let people, I don't know, I don't want to say get away, but he really kind of got away with all this stuff. But regardless, is that Deshaun Watson's also an incredibly exciting football player. Deshaun Watson, for when he's played football, has been one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And there was a time period where we had a quarterback's ranking episode, and I pounded the table saying that he was a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. And that was in my early hater days of Patrick (laughs) Mahomes. But still, I don't think that that is that crazy of a statement at one point to say that it was possible that Deshaun Watson could have been better than the by far best quarterback in the NFL right now. And that... As, as a fan of the sport is hard to reconcile in general, but I can't imagine what people who love the Cleveland Browns have to go through when they would watch Deshaun Watson play football, especially if he's good. So I definitely don't want to pivot away or minimalize the seriousness of what this conversation is, but it's time for us to accept that Deshaun Watson's back. 
He's going to be with Cleveland for a long time every Sunday. So what do we do about that now? Do we not? Do we just not watch Cleveland games? Do we... I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch Cleveland games right. for sure. I'm so... not. I I I I will say this. I don't think that as long as Deshaun is under under center, I will ever root for the Browns again. And I know that that's a dramatic statement, and I know that not everybody feels that way. I I truly don't think that I will ever again root for the Browns as long as he is starting. I, I really feel that way. Um, and it, it's for a lot of reasons. It's not because I don't believe in second chances or because I think that when somebody makes a mistake, they deserve to be completely canceled forever, right? The majority of the reason is, one, the scale of it, right? This is obviously an incredibly long patter, pattern of horrific behavior, right? And two, the complete and utter denial the complete and other lack of a desire to find true. Um, yeah, uh, this is what it is for me. Yeah, it's it, it, there's there's no attempt at like re- I, I'm trying to think of the word the word is is to like I mean, atone there's no remorse. atone. There's no remorse. There's no atonement. Um, like, and the organization the whole way is like we believe in Deshaun the person. We love who he is. Like, I just it curls my skin to hear people try to cover all that up. And something that I, somebody said, I think it was on the Mina Kimes podcast, uh, somebody who talked about, and again, this is a very serious situation. This is not the same as what I'm going to say, but I think it, they're comparable. When you are accused of anything or anybody calls you out of any sort of behavior, like if I said, uh, Josh, you're an a-hole, right? And like in a serious context, not like a joking context, right? I think it would be very immature of you to not pause for at least a second and uh, observe your own behavior and think, has it been possible that I've been behaving in a way that would elicit this response, right? I feel like no, not enough people do that in this world. Anytime anybody says anything to me, I'm immediately like, what have I been doing that has that has either been this, right? Have I been, have I been wrong this whole time and I have done something that's actually horrible and I didn't realize it? Or am I do, perpetuating behavior that I think is okay, but it's not, right? Like, if you don't take an opportunity to look at yourself and how to better yourself often enough, I feel like that's so immature and just unhealthy. But, like, especially when 29 women filed things against him and he was like, nope, I'm completely innocent. I never did anything disrespectful or wrong, right? Like, that is why I can never root for Deshaun again, right? I have, and I, this might be this might be a controversial thing. I eventually rooted for Michael Vick again, right? After the horrible things that he did with, with, to, and I freaking love dogs and animals. And like, I legitimately, eventually I rooted for Michael Vick again because I saw the atonement process that he went through. He did time for it, right? He, there was penance for what he did and he did an incredible amount of work to better himself and become a better human being. It could not be further from that for Deshaun Watson. So, no, so, Right now, and again, things can always change, but right now I do not ever see myself rooting for the Browns again as long as he's playing, and that hurts on a lot of levels. Um, one of the main ones being I have a lot of loved ones and friends and family that uh, are going to root for the Browns because they've spent their team their whole lives, um, and it's going to be hard for me to be like, I'm sorry, I don't root for your team. Sure. Ooh, man, heavy stuff, heavy stuff. What do we expect? So shifting from a more morality consciousness level what do we expect from this player that hasn't played in over yeah this is also another aspect of it that would be fun to talk about um if we didn't have the other stuff but yeah i 
it's interesting. He didn't look very sharp in the preseason no, when we saw really. some things, which was very interesting. I think that it's lucky that he's starting against the Texans this Sunday. So what I expect is some rustiness. I expect he'll probably have a turnover or two because he's still getting into it. Um, I'd be shocked if it doesn't rattle him that 10 women who said things are, he knows are there, right? I'd be, he's got to be a sociopath, um, innocent or not to not be affected by that. Um, yeah, I expect it not to be like this, you know, 20 for 25, five touchdowns, no picks, rushes for 80 yards game. Um, I don't also don't expect a, you know, 10 of, of 29, one touchdown, three interceptions, right? I think it'll be somewhere in the middle. I think he's going to make some wow plays. I think that you're going to win the game. Um, but I think he'll make some wow plays. I think he'll make some boneheaded mistakes. I think he'll, there'll be some rust. Um, but he's had 12 weeks to sit with the playbook, right? He wasn't able to be with the team until the last couple of weeks, but he's practiced the last couple of weeks. He's been in the playbook for the majority of the season. I don't expect it to fall flat on his face, um, but I do think there'll be some rust. So right now, they have the Texans on Sunday, followed by the Bengals, the Ravens, the Saints, the Commanders, and then they end with the Steelers. With Deshaun Watson back, so we are assuming the quote-unquote rust gets knocked off during the Texans game. What do you think the Browns do with the remainder of the season? So I'm the guy who every week loves to do like season predictions on uh, on the. I, I, do, have you ever used the predict the playoffs generator? No. I, so there's a there's a predict the playoffs one, and every week I do it. Um, let, let's go one by one through these games. The way I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say win or loss based off of what I do actually feel Deshaun Watson will end up being uh, for the rest of the season. Okay. So let's go one by one. So are we? He's gonna we, he's gonna be Houston. Yes, okay. they're gonna be. Then Houston. they travel to Cincinnati. To Cincinnati, I'm gonna. I for a long time I called that one a win, but the way since he's been playing lately with Jamar Chase coming back, I will call that uh, a loss. Okay. Okay. So the record would be. The, uh, they're four and seven right now, right? Yes. So they'd be five and eight. So they're five and eight in this scenario. Then Baltimore comes to Cleveland. I'm giving them a win in that one. You're taking, so, you're taking the Browns. Over yeah. The so that's six and eight. The Saints come to Cleveland. Seven and eight. That's another win. The Browns go to Washington. I'm giving them a win in that one. Eight and eight. Oh man. The Browns go to Pittsburgh. And I think that I think that at this point it would matter. Uh, whether the playoffs are on the line and the way the the it all shapes out in the AFC, I think that they would still have a shot, and I would give them the win and say they finish nine and eight. Oh man! I think so they go you... five and one with Deshaun Watson. I, I I I and this is so insane. Like Jacoby Brissett's played pretty well uh, in the last month or so, just in terms of like not turning the ball over, completion percentage, that kind of thing. Um, but I do believe something that they've been missing is this offense being able just to have crazy big plays and Deshaun Watson's going to provide that for him. They have weapons galore. They still have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Donovan Peoples-Jones has actually come on. Amari Cooper's been awesome. I don't know if people have been paying attention. Uh, David Njoku is a big weapon. Uh, they've got a good offensive line and they have the, all these pass rushers. And I think the reason why this defense hasn't been dominant yet is because they haven't been able to play with a lead. And now they have a quarterback that I think is going to be able to give them leans. And then you get Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett and Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa coming at you from all angles. Um, I genuinely think that nine and eight isn't out of the question, and I wouldn't be shocked if they ran the table either. I I would not be. I I don't know about you. Like the the toughest games in that are obviously the two divisional or the three divisional runs, right? So Cincy, Baltimore, and. 
Pittsburgh. And then the Commanders are tough, but I actually just think that it's a, Cleveland's a better roster than the Commanders. Um, so those are the three toughest ones. And I, I, yeah, I think they can win at least two of those. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, I think logic goes with what you said. I think reality may not be that. I think, I mean, like you said, Deshaun Watson looked pretty rough in the preseason. And that's against, in my opinion, vanilla defenses because no one ever does everything that you're going to do in the preseason. I'm interested to see how Houston responds to this game. What, so, yeah, let's let's flip it. Let's stop talking about Deshaun and say, so, what so does you this talk, mean for Houston? Yeah, what does it mean? I think it means a lot. I think they won't say that. They won't. They, I think they've made their peace. They've gotten their picks. They've moved on. They got rid of the drama surrounding all of that. I mean, they have their own drama. That is a result of the Houston Texans and maybe a bipartisan of Deshaun Watson leaving. And then, you know, the whole, oh, we lost our franchise cornerstone quarterback. So, like, we're in this weird rebuilding that we weren't expecting. Although they weren't that great the last year of Deshaun Watson. Let's remember that as well. He had his best statistical year, which was your, like, bold prediction at the beginning of the year. <laughs> and they were 4-12. and didn't, didn't see it happening in that way, though. Um, but I think for the state of an organization that is in such flummox right now of people not believing in them. Some people saying that, I mean, after they get shut out in a blowout the first half and then they're playing against backups and whatnot to go on those. But I saw some people tweeting like, Oh, like they should be in the CFL and like do the whole promote up thing and everything. Like they're not a legit NFL team. That happens every year. And then within (laughs) two years, that team's like in the playoffs again, it happens every year. That's true. That's true. But I think this one is going to be really personal for people that have nothing to do with the team. I mean, it's not personal for Levy Smith. He's not connected to Deshaun Watson. It's not personal for the GM or anybody there. There, It's all new for those people. But the heart of that team that's been there for not that long. I mean, it's, a, it's the newest franchise. But for the fans that are there, like they know that this one means something. And I think more so than coaches in front office, players feel that. They feel connections with fans. Even if they come out and say, like, oh, I don't care about your fantasy team, or, like, I don't care about those things, I think fans relate, or players relate to fans and the energy that they provide them. I think Houston's going to be real loud because of that, and I hope that the Houston Texans can. Like I said, I I agree that I think it's probably going to be a loss, but I hope they show some heck and fight. As long as Damian Pierce is running a lot. <laughs> uh, actually, Cleveland has a terrible run defense right now, so they probably will. I, the, I'll i close with this. I'm interested to see what the ratings are for this game. I want to know I want to know if the vast majority of fans turned away from it because one it's not really supposed to be a good game right but I'm I'm interested to see if they turned away from this game because they refused to watch Deshaun Watson or if they're going to be like me and just I, I have to know what happens right like I'm going to that that's going to be on one of the the games that I continually switch to on Sunday because I'm fascinated to see how it plays out yeah, I think unfortunately, um, a lot of America likes drama, so it's one of those like you can't look away from a train wreck kind of things, you know. Yeah, you've heard you've heard of that. Yeah. So, regardless, let's transition to some more 
Uh, I wasn't gonna say I, I have no word for that. And you know, you know how I started making fun of announcers for not knowing how they end their sentences on play-by-play. That was me right there. I had no idea what I wanted to say, but instead of like just going like this and figuring it out, I just ca- I call myself out on it. I need to be better. I'm going to be better. All right. <laughs> moving to week 12 wrap up. So we're not going to cover Thanksgiving. We did that on last week's podcast. Uh, if you want to check out that ra- that wrap up, um, we do it before we covered uh, week 12. So you can check that out. Um, week 12 wrap up. We got four games that I want to cover because they're very interesting. Uh, two of which involve incredible decisions to go for it at the end of the game. Uh, but first and foremost, let's talk about those Browns real quick who defeated the Bucks in Jacoby Brissett's last start yeah, uh, and upset in overtime. I think the most interesting thing about this game is just the complete and utter ineptitude by Tom Brady and that offense in the fourth quarter. I don't know how dialed in you were, but Not very. I was going to say, I would assume you weren't very dialed in because you were working. I don't know what you've looked at it, but the Bucks had four, five, six drives near the end of the game that they just could not do anything. I mean, Brady looked pretty bad, actually, at multiple times in this game. I mean, I think as a whole from both teams, it seems, at least on paper, that it was pretty sloppy. It was, yeah, it was a sloppy game. I was tuned into this one more than the other ones. Actually, uh, I had um, the my Sunday ticket up, but for the first time, because it was on the TV instead of like a laptop, I just put quad box. And so I was watching four games the whole time, which was pretty fun. Uh, But yeah, that one was up there and it was, it was ugly for the most part, but there were still moments for both offenses, but it just near the end of the game, Tom just looked like a 45, 46 year old quarterback. Yeah. it, It, to me, what jumps out is that no one besides Chris Godwin and a little bit of Rashad White got going. And so I didn't see, like, I don't have anything in front of me as in terms of targets or things like that, but it just felt like nothing else was working essentially except for Godwin. That's pretty much how it uh, it played out for sure. Um, but uh, I think... I think what we've learned the most from the Bucks this year is that as great as Tom Brady is, and I'm not an idiot, right? Tom Brady is great. I think that, and I can't believe I'm going to say this because this means he's going to throw 10 touchdowns this week. He look, he's an old quarterback, right? Like, we can't act like there haven't been chinks in the armor, right? Like, I think that, that sometimes it's just going to look like this, guys, right? And he's still going to have his... He's had games this year that he looked like terrific Tom again, right? Like, he's going to have those moments because that's who he is, right? And because, and we've talked about this on the show before, because his biggest attributes are his mind and how he figures the game plans out and not, knows where to go, knows situations, right? Um, Tom's never been the arm strength guy. Now, he's had moments where, I mean, I can think of the Super Bowl against the Giants. on that. Remember that last play to Randy that he almost got it to him? I don't know if you remember that. I don't. There's a fourth down in the Super Bowl where he just uncorks a bomb and that uh, it gets actually a play is made on the ball. So, again, like, regardless, we don't have to dive into that. But um, that's never been his strength, right? So he's still going to be able to have his moments. But I really think that they were just struggling because they couldn't get the run going, which is weird against the Cleveland Browns who've had a big, pretty bad rush defense. Um, And Tom just couldn't put them on his back. They have weapons on this offense, right? Early on, it was, oh, man, all of his weapons are injured, but Godwin's healthy. Evans is healthy. 
Julio Jones is healthy, right? Like they have weapons. Cade Cade Otten. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Is Julio Jones ever really been healthy his entire career? Um, Rashad White is showing up. This young running back, right? Leonard Fournette is still a weapon. Like they have weapons. I think this one gets has to get set at the feet of Tom Brady. Fournette didn't play. Regardless, I'm just saying that they're still five and seven now, right? They're five and six. Five and six. Some of this has to get laid at the feet of Tom Brady. I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're not. Nine and three, or ten and two, or anything along those lines. That you're like, this is a purely dominant, dominant team. They're five and six at the top of a losing division right now. So you're not saying that there's quarterback dominance, and maybe we're taking it for granted. I don't know if that's the best word that it is Tom Brady, but I mean, Tom Brady didn't play worse than Jacoby Brissett. I mean, like be like, oh yeah, he looks like an old quarterback, but he does. But I'm like, if that means anything, he's just an average quarterback now that average quarterbacks, they go five and six. They win half their games. That's what they do. I mean, I guess you can make the argument that they have too much talent, that they should be better than that. But the one thing I'll say, cause this was a pals pick game that I got wrong. I said, I thought Tampa's defense had turned a little bit of a corner and we're going to force mistakes. And they really didn't. They had some sacks, but other than one takeaway at the end of the second half, which was a throw up, jump ball i'm assuming they didn't have any kind of mistakes like that so i think the defense is a so large part of this as well I, I agree as well which is interesting because it's todd bowles who's supposed to be a defensive guy but maybe focusing on the head coach thing and not the defense has been a struggle but uh regardless i well let's skip the pals picks game because i don't want to ruin pals picks but i want to go through the schedule and i want to get your opinion on the rest of their schedule right so after the monday night against the saints they go to the 49ers I think they lose that game. Okay. Uh, and then they're home for the Bengals. I think they lose that game. Okay, so that's two so far. They go at the Cardinals on Christmas. I think they win that game. Okay, so that's one and two. They're home for the Panthers. I think they win that game. Two and two. And then they go at uh, Atlanta. Finally. And I think this this probably will be for the division. I think Which they, will if that's not the Sunday night football game, I'd be stunned. I think they'll win that <laughs> and they'll probably win the division. Okay, all right. Um, so... Again, definitely conceivable, right? But there's, it's literally not, um, it's not inconceivable to me that they lose Monday night. Obviously, I gave it to you because I think they're going to lose Monday night. But that they lose Monday night, that they lose to the Panthers because the Panthers played them tough last time. And the Panthers all of a sudden have the best quarterback in the NFL, Sam Darnold, because he can what, what? fumble the football on a read and roll into the end zone, which is so much fun. I don't know if you've seen that replay. Um, he literally, you know how like Darnold is really good at that. He's done it multiple times. Career, that zone read right on the goal line yeah. and he'll score. They did that. Um, and he ran and tripped up and fell and dropped the football, but nobody had touched him. So he picked it up and just like rolled into the end zone. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Um, good for you, Sam. But, we don't have to keep talking about it. I just think that uh, I want everybody to give me my roses, say that I was right. Tim Bay sucks, and so does Tom Brady. Moving on. Wow. Uh, let's cover Man these. Man loses ch- his first game with a lead in <laughs> under a minute ever. I'm ready to pounce, man. That's, Listen, a, that's a pretty impressive 25-year record. <laughs> I don't think that uh, anybody could conceivably put me in the category of just like a hater overall. <laughs> but when we talk about Tom Brady, for sure nobody hates like I do. Nobody. It's true. I hate Tom Brady like people who are idiots hate LeBron James. That's how much I hate Tom Brady. So Tom, uh, LeBron James is the best basketball player that ever played the sport. Mm. Moving on to two games that finished in crazy wild fashion with – Two two-point conversions collectively, and 
a near miss on what would have been another uh, NFL record kick by Justin Tucker, who kicked it from 67. And there's video out there of Ravens fans celebrating because it looks like it goes in. Um, but the Jacksonville Jaguars mount a furious comeback. Trevor Lawrence looked awesome in that fourth quarter. They ended up winning 28-27 on a go-for-it two-point conversion, Doug Peterson. And then the Cardinals, the Chargers make a comeback 25-24 on a go-for-it. Brandon Staley decision, 4-2. How do I... First, first, I'm going to ask you to answer. Did you agree with both calls? And second, or do you agree? Because I don't assume you were watching both those live. Do you agree with the calls from both teams to go for it? Um, and what do you think? Who do you think it matters more to that that it was successful? So I don't know a whole lot about the Baltimore Jacksonville game. Um, what I do know, and this could be complete nonsense garbage, so just feel free because I, I wasn't aware of this game very much. So I know that that was fourth. I mean, both teams looked like they played well in the fourth quarter. It seemed like that's the only quarter that any football team played. But to me, Jacksonville trailed for a majority of the game, right? And then finally got it and then went for the go-ahead score, correct? So in that situation, I agree with it because you're riding a momentum. And I know people are like, momentum is not real, but momentum is definitely real, in my opinion. I, I momentum don't. might not be real in, in the manner that I think some people use it, but it, it I think it's undeniably a true thing. I think momentum is a synonym equal to emotion and when you are getting beat down you're not like oh yeah like i'm roared up i'm ready to go like you're frustrated you're angry you're more prone to make mistakes but on the flip side if you're going well like things you're like yeah i feel invincible right now like i can keep doing this i think that is a very real thing i i again i a thousand percent agree with that i i think that sometimes people are like um uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of an example that I don't like. I think people use it too much, but there is definitely like Jacksonville absolutely seized control of momentum in that game because they were down and came roaring back. And I know this is what the point you're making. I just want to say I agree with you is that Doug Peterson was like, we have all the momentum right now. Let's go for two and win the game. On the flip side, I actually did listen to as much of this game on the radio that I could. I wasn't able to listen to the end, so I didn't know how it ended when you were like, did you believe that that happened? I was like, I, it could go either way because you just never know. That is a situation where I don't think I agree because L.A., from what I heard and what the perception was, and there's a part of me that absolutely hates teams play-by-plays because everything's emotion. And they're like, oh, man, we didn't get that third down. We're awful. We should probably just quit the game. What's Herbert doing? I was like, guys, just call the football game. What are you doing? <laughs> I hate that. It's so funny. Is I, <laughs> actually, the example you're using is not a reason why I love it. I do love uh, the – like. I don't know if you I don't know if you listened to the saw the video that they released of the Vikings play by play call in the last two minutes of the Bills game. No, you should uh, you should listen after this episode. You should go and watch that. I mean, it's always it's fun, pretty fun, but it's going but you're well, right. right? You're right. Like I I think that I definitely agree. When things are going bad, I hate when they're like, oh, they didn't get it. Like uh, there's I, a I I, I actually is, think it's the this is not supposed to be a rant, but like I hate. So I listened to the Chargers call because you can only listen to one because like there is not like a national broadcast or anything on the radio for every game. But they 
like they basically actively root against the other team. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you on this. There are some people that I have heard, because I, I used to listen to a lot of Bills games on the radio when they weren't on TV when I was younger. And uh, uh, John Murphy, the guy who does the Bills call, he used to also host the weekly like radio show, and I actually hated him on that. I thought he was a... <laughs> A euphemism for male genitalia, but oh. but literally, I when he when he calls games, he he still obviously is rooting for Buffalo. But when he calls touchdowns or big plays for the other team, he does get excited for it. And so you're absolutely right. I don't like when they're like, "Oh, good job!" Yeah, <laughs> right. Kyler Murray scored. It's still an exciting game. Anyways, so to get back to my point. It seemed like the Chargers were doing nothing, and maybe that was influenced from that emotion. But in that game where I'm like, oh, like, you're really lucky to be in this situation. Maybe you should just count it and go to overtime. Be like, okay, guys, we probably shouldn't be here, but we are. And maybe, like, on the flip side, you could be like, you I'm, need to go for it. And sure, sure. So I understand. I'm, like, normally 90% go for it, um, especially in in favorable matchups. We've talked about this on the show, too. If it's, like, fourth and five plus then i'm like okay like maybe think about this what's the scenario but if it, it's a, it's a two-point conversion from the two yard line right for me if you can't get two points when you need it you didn't deserve to win anyway so for me to get two yards for an offense that just rip roared down the field to score near the end of the game that's why i was like all right yeah this is it i get it this is what you do but on the flip side last year we saw baltimore go for it twice in two consecutive games and they lost both times so i'm not thinking it's like oh it's super easy because it's not it's also the it, it's also such a heightened moment in football that we talk about this so much and it's fun like I, I, this is a good conversation but like i think that we highlight the times it doesn't work f- far more often than we do when it does because how many times do we talk about fourth down conversions in a game if people don't get it not all the time sure. right like there are a lot of teams that go for it all the time. Buffalo actually goes for it a lot on fourth down, but we don't really talk about that because they get a lot of the ones, right? Um, we only talk about the ones when they're in the big moments, um, and we especially talk about them when they don't get them, right? So if we want to, we don't. Have, we're not have to have a conversation about analytics, but the analytics still, <laughs> still to this day, heavily favor going for it, especially in scenarios like that. And we did see it work twice in a row, obviously, but I'm sure we'll see in the next coming weeks there will be ones that don't plan out right but i like to point out when they do because it's fun and it's cool yeah so to answer your question all for doug peterson brand staley of course because that's what brand staley does i would have been like eh, maybe not it's really funny because i know you're not the biggest brand staley fan in the world but i will also say no, i don't think i'm a hater i just love brady hater i for, shut up there was a i forget who which jacksonville player it was but in the post game interview he's like i'm just so happy for trevor man he goes he had to deal with Urban Meyer last year. This is a Jacksonville player, like, on the roster says this. And he goes, and woof, man, about that. He's like, I'm just so – he goes, I will run through a brick wall for Doug Peterson, man. I will go to war with that guy. And I thought that was pretty cool. That confidence we were talking about. Last but not least, game we want to cover before we get to a quick week 13 preview and then pals picks. Bengals at Titans, an outcome I did not expect. This is um, one that I don't know a whole lot about. This so. is a crazy. This is a. This is not an outcome that I expected, but I wanted to point out really quick. Um, oh shoot, I didn't have the numbers pulled up, but I think the huge thing about this is that the Bengals' problems are still the Bengals' problems. Um, they haven't solved their offensive line issues. Joe Burrow is still the third most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Right, uh, it's still happening, but somehow, some way. Joe Burrow is overcoming it 
and without Jamar Chase. It's insane. So this game finished 20 to 16. Um, and, oh, shoot. I thought if I clicked the recap, it would tell me, like, exactly how it went. Oh, right here. Um, so in the four, they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter with 13.42 left, which is a 27-yard pass um, to T. Higgins because it was tied 13-13. Um, and then the literally just completely shut out the Titans in the, to end the game. Which is like that, I think, is what is so impressive for the Bengals in this game is that, yeah, of course, the 20 points is not a lot, but 20 points with being sacked all the time and without your biggest weapon and Mixon didn't play either is amazing to me. But their defense just shut down the Tennessee offense in the fourth quarter. The, obviously, they had three points that they scored at the six-minute mark. Mark they, they kicked the field goal. At the six-minute mark to make it 20-16, to 16, never scored again the rest of the game. Um, so I am super impressed with the Bengals. And now the Bengals have a real shot at this division, especially with the loss of Baltimore. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, Baltimore has now lost four games this year. All four of them, they had at least a nine-point lead in the fourth quarter. Um, insane. Uh, but... Yeah, I think this is super impressive by the Bengals. I don't know if I'm like wildly concerned about the Titans yet, right? The Bengals are a good team. I'm a little bit concerned because Tannehill really just could not get it done in this game. But well, I think we all kind of thought that. Sure, but I thought that the Tennessee defense would prove too much for an offense without Chase, without Mixon, and with their offensive line struggles, and I was just wrong. The Bengals were able to score just enough, make enough plays, and then their defense came on and completely shut down the attack of Tennessee. That's what was the most impressive thing to me. Really more so than anything. And I know we're talking about Joe Burrow being much maligned in terms of still getting pressures and sacks, et cetera, et cetera. But I was really pretty impressed that at least on paper and paper doesn't say everything, right? But there's no splash plays that happen. There's no turnovers. There was only one sack. I was pretty, pretty impressed by that. I only listened to one call, and it was the T. Higgins catch. Yeah, and, and it was a great, it's a great play. I just, I, we play the Bengals in four. I'm the, I'm very concerned about Buffalo, mostly because of their schedule. Because we have the Pats, which will be tomorrow night, uh, or will have already happened, or tonight if you're listening on Thursday. Um, and then we have to play the Jets, the Dolphins, and then the Bengals um, on Monday Night Football. Or the Bengals, there might the Bears might be in between that Bengals game. I don't know, but incredibly tough schedule to finish the year. Um, what was that face for? Yeah, something personal. Ooh, interesting. I love being personal. Oh, um, but regardless, um, yeah, there's a lot of um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like. I have no idea what to say. I don't know even know what you were going. Moving on. <laughs> um, any last th words about Week 12? Yeah, obviously I didn't get to know too much about it, so I appreciated hearing your your talk about it. <laughs> I know you you didn't mean it that way, but that there was a hint of like, thanks for talking about it, man, in there. Then I was like, oh, sorry. Oh, it wasn't negative. I <laughs> no, was I know. Like, yeah, it wasn't, I didn't yeah. get to watch. So um, hearing your expertise there was, was great. There were some really cool moments for sure. Um, all right, let's move to our week 13 preview. I just thought it'd be fun if we each picked one game that we're most looking excited for. So which game and week 13 slate? There's a lot of good ones. This, uh, this are you most excited week for? week 13. I will say there is a really obvious answer for me that I'm not going to pick. 
I think a game I'm most interested in, you were just talking about them, wondering who they're going to be, is the Eagles-Titans game. I think this is a game where, you know, I think it's easy to say at 10-1 and one that the Eagles' record is better than their actual team. In my opinion, I think there are some things, balls have bounced certain ways, they've Obviously, they've only played the teams that they've needed to play to win, but you could make an argument that, in my opinion, that this really is a 7-4 and four team, an 8-3 and three team. I'm glad you said that because I said there may not be a 10-1 and one team, but they're not below a 7-win team. I agree. Yes. I agree. I'm glad, I'm glad you're saying that. The is very, very high. I think they are that, but I don't, I'm not like, oh, this is a juggernaut that just can't be taken down. If there's a team that I think can match X's and O's with the Eagles, it's this Titans team. And we'll have to see. They obviously didn't make those splash plays, like I said, against the Bengals. I don't know how it looked executed on actual gameplay. Like, it could have been just misses and things like that. And so applying great pressure and Joe Burrow makes a a really great pass or something. I'm really curious, especially after Philadelphia ran so, so well against Green Bay on Sunday night, what it's going to look like in this team against the Titans, against the Mike Vrabel emotion and having Derrick Henry try to go against that defensive line that we were talking about was maligned since Jordan Davis, but they're being pretty solid as of late. I'm really, I think this is going to be a sneaky game. Uh, First and foremost, I want to say that I hate the discourse around Philly because it gets so, like, like, volatile, right? People get so up in arms about it. I'm like, I just sometimes wish, oh, Cassidy, don't text me during the episode. (laughs) Sometimes I just wish that there would be more harmony between people. That's what I wish. (laughs) As you just yelled at your friend for texting you. Cassidy, hey bestie, I love you. Um, No, so somebody said, and I want this so bad. It's not. I just want to preface this real quick. Nobody get your hopes up. The scenario I'm about to pitch is completely never going to happen. Somebody was like, Here's what we need, guys. The Titans and the Eagles don't need to play. We need Jordan Davis from the one-yard line and Derrick Henry from the other one-yard line, and they just need to run straight on as fast as they can, (laughs) head-on collision at the 50, and that'll decide the game. And I was like, you know what? I'm all for it. Let's do it. (laughs) Wow. Yes, that game is is very good. I'm very excited for that. Um, I'm glad you didn't go Miami-San Francisco because that's what I'm going, Miami-San Francisco. Just because it has all the storylines, right? It has the Shanahan versus McDaniel, right? Um, it's got uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Who had, there were a lot of rumors that he might get traded to Miami in the offseason, right? Because it fits the system. Um, it's got this San Fran team that, like, there were a lot of hopes and, and dreams for them with Trey Lance. But now with Jimmy Garoppolo and then trading for Christian McCaffrey, legitimate, like, real contenders. The Miami, who people were, like, excited and interested in in the, in the offseason, legitimate contenders, right? Um like I just there's so many storylines in this game and I am so excited to see Kentua and this offense continue to be as efficient as they are and as I mean powerful right firepower um as they have been against this San Francisco defense that's very good and what will and the Miami defense actually is not statistically that great but they have playmakers on the team so I'm interested to see what kind of um game offensive game plan that the 49ers will come out with for this but this i just it's gonna be one of the more exciting games of the year i think certainly could be all right now is time for pals picks oh yeah 
See, I feel like I've been overdoing the oh yeah for a long time, and it kind of and it kind of becomes like a um, you're gonna watch this on the screen. Normally, I go like this. Oh yeah. And so, people who just listen to that, that's overwhelming. They probably plug their ears. But the one before that was nice. That looked nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I feel like you went a little too Kool-Aid man with the second one. Right. The, but the first one's just like a... Yeah, like that's a swab. Yeah. I, maybe I should do... Maybe it's such a staple on our show now, but I feel like maybe I should just do like a new impression every week, and one week it could be Patrick Warburton as Kronk, because that'll like sound like that. We should do a whole episode where it's just us doing the Kronk impersonation. <laughs> Okay, pals, fix everybody. All right. Yeah, go ahead. So I went two and one with an overtime loss to to crush that three and zero oh dream that I had. Adam went one and two, bringing our collective year totals. What was that? For? Just call me Mister One and Two because it's all I can do. You you practice that over the the weekend? No, I literally just came up with that. I know that it tracks that I would spend weekend trying to come up with a stupid rhyme like that, but I just came up with it. So I am twenty-five and eleven. Adam is sitting at five hundred at eighteen and eighteen. The numbers are starting to lean your direction. They Say, are starting to lean your direction. It could get very, very dicey for me very quick. I I will say this and risk the the embarrassment just for the narrative. We are in week thirteen. There are four weeks to go. We have five if you include this one, right? Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. I have a two-week-plus advantage right now. So, right. I would have to go 6-0, and oh, and I you would have I to have go 0-6. Oh I have a seven-game lead You right have a seven-game lead, and there are – wait, no, no, no. There's, there's, more than, there's more than that many weeks left because there is a week 18. Oh. Um, I always get confused by that. No, so. I know. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it's an 18-game season, 17 games, because everyone has to have a bye week. Um. So oh, I kind of just assumed that we would eventually I, have our bye week. I do. But we still make our picks then. I do have to pick up some games fast for sure. Um, I I'm I'm nervous. This is something that like I genuinely have taken pride in. The, the listen, there are so many things where you're so much better at me than, than like so many things, and one of them and me. one of them does involve like fantasy football, and honestly, sometimes just football takes. Um, actually, I think the true thing is that is that I'm just so dramatic that when I crash and burn, everybody notices it more. But you're always like in the middle. Um, we didn't but, talk about a fantasy football match that we had a couple weeks ago. We didn't talk about that it. That I won. Yeah. Okay, everybody. So Adam got to give me the games first this week, and here, yes. here's going to be the the catalyst. You're gonna, so, you're gonna get up there. This is exciting. On the record, right now. This is really exciting for me. Thank you, because you, I got to. Not only did I get to give you the games first, but you gave me three games, and only one of them was one that I had considered. Okay. Me- meaning, meaning that I not like crazy was not crazy worried about it. Yeah, um, that hasn't really so, done much for you yet. Yeah, so. shut up. Anyway, um, what's really frustrating me right now, actually, is that um, I don't have them in front of me. <laughs> Normally, it's in my text thing, but I sent you an email with it. There it is. I found it. Okay. First, let's go to a matchup that we didn't talk about, but also another fascinating one to track. The New York Giants, who I believe are now lost two straight, mm-hmm. um, hosting the Washington Commanders, who are uh, streaking right now. Yeah, they are. The the Commanders are a team that you picked against last week. Uh, they almost they almost didn't get it done, but they did get it done. I think they get it done here again. I'm taking Washington. I think Washington's defense is better than New York's defense. Both teams are just run the football. 
try to make your quarterback have a play occasionally. And I, but both quarterbacks can. Both quarterbacks are turnover prone. They're very likely to do that. There will be turnovers in this game, but I trust Washington's defense more in this game. I think it's 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 really important and worth note to to mention this. I don't have it right in front of me. Let's see how long I can stall until I get this pulled up. So I, everyone's yeah, talking. I got it pulled up. Everyone's talking about how Taylor Heineke has come in and infused this team with with life and everything, and that's great and good. And obviously, they have won a lot of games since he's been there. I think he's what five and one. But I will say since they have gone on this win streak the most points they've allowed is 21 they the rough period if you will with Carson Wentz they obviously were really great in that Thursday night game that was disgusting and only gave up a touchdown to the Bears although they got down to like the two yard line like what four times in that game it felt like but the the least amount of points they gave up during that time period was 22 so yeah, say everything that you want about the quarterback and everything, which I can't deny that right now the team's just really clicking. But all of the other things that we talked about why Washington would work with Carson Wentz, the run game, the defense, all of those things are finally clicking right now. That has to be you know, talked about. The, I'm, it, no, I'm so glad you brought it up. I This team, and I'm going to say this, this team I think could win the division still what? if – they went back to Carson Wentz. Be- I, I know that is so blasphemous, and I know <laughs> that everybody who hates Carson Wentz. I love would, it. I feel like I love it. I'm like, so fascinated. I just because legitimately, what they are missing right now is a dynamic passing game. It's the only thing that they don't have right now. And I'm not saying that like I'm guaranteeing that Carson Wentz would do that, but right now I am so much more confident in Carson Wentz's ability to provide that than Taylor Heineke's. How many times have we gone into work on Monday with our friend Scott, who's a Commanders fan? How many times have we gone in and he'd been like, Heineke, and you were like, yeah, because Carson Wentz couldn't hand it off 50 times, turn it over twice, and still win the game. <laughs> like, they are winning games that Carson Wentz absolutely would have won. I mean... Like, I just... <laughs> I... I... I don't disagree. I don't know if I'd be like, if Carson Wentz was there, they're going to win the division. I didn't say we're going to. I said they could. Everything that is working right now is what was not working at the beginning of the year. There were numerous times that Carson Wentz literally dropped back one and a half seconds and there was a guy there. That is not happening right now. I forget which game it was, but it was right. It was the week after somebody said quarter. It was at Ron Rivera that said quarterback in that interview was their biggest problem. One of my most fun memories of this year because every time something bad happened that wasn't his fault, we just went quarterback. And it's so true. It's so true. But I, I obviously gave you this game because my strategy is always the three games I don't want to pick. And this was number one on the list because I don't want to pick this at all. I have no the idea. The reason I'm picking it, I feel just much more strongly about Washington's defense than I do New York's defense. It's fair. And uh, new simultaneous catch drinking game. Every time I say Chase Young is supposed to be back next week, do a shot, <laughs> you're drunk already. But Chase Young is supposed to be back next That's week. That's so true. I haven't even yeah. realized. It's happened. It's like five straight weeks now that he's supposed to be back. Now, he did log a limited practice today, and he he's activated. He's on the active roster from IR. Um, but a reporter said that he would have to log a full practice before playing. So who knows? Maybe Thursday or Friday he will have logged a practice. So we'll see. Uh, second game was my biggest game of the week, my most excited game of the week, the 49ers hosting the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I agree. I think this is the game I'm looking forward to the most this week for all of the things you talked about, and I don't need to repeat them, but there are so many great narratives here. Excuse me. We'll have to see 
the whole the new coaches left the old coaching regime so like they have to know each other pretty well and the wrinkles that they're going to throw and who knows better the defense that is going to copy the guy's offense or the guy that was like oh i worked in the same room as that guy like i know what he's going to deploy and how he's going to do it so i know how to combat that it's going to be a lot of fun i will say i think injuries right now are playing a large key part of this Teron armstead did go down last week against the houston texans it's not uh, supposed to be severe there's even rumors right now that he's going to try to play my hope is that he doesn't because i think he similar and i know this is me you've heard me talk about this for the last month i think he's more important down the stretch we need him in in a playoff run than we do in this particular game you, i will i will say this yes it, but it's not even a playoff run for me you need just as much as we need all horses for our final matchup because it's because I I am becoming more and more absolutely convinced that that will decide the division. Oh man! Is that wait? Is that wait? Is that all Zoe KT? Is that also the final game? No, that's only in three weeks. Okay, I was gonna say. Oh yeah, I just talked about that with the schedule. I was like, because if that were the game, that would be the final flex, but it's not gonna be. That it's, is a, yeah. a flexible game right now. It is a well, but time. isn't there? But isn't there? I have no idea how. I think you can only do a certain work. amount, and they've already done two. I know that weeks 18 is always 100% flexible. Um, the whole week is flexible. Like they decide that, which is one of my favorite rules that's happened in the recent NFL. I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but the fact that they get to put the most important games in the order that they want so that at the end there's always things happening in certain windows is so brilliant. Um, so we'll see because that could also be a, a flex. If they have a flex left, that should be the flex game. Because it's going to be insane. <laughs> it will be. It very much will be. Maybe they don't want to because there could be snow and Buffalo doesn't get their weather advantage, but Miami gets their weather advantage. I would love for snow games to happen. Me too, man. Me too. Elijah Mitchell. Huh, poor guy. He's out for the year now. Just got back. Ran really well that one week. He did. He absolutely did. So are you? this is, you're, this is leading to you picking the... I'm, I'm picking... <laughs> CMC is not practicing this week, uh, but they're saying that there is hope that he plays. So who knows who's going to be on the field. I'm almost crazy him to take Miami in this one, but I'm not. I'm taking the home team, the 49ers. I'm going to be rooting like heck for Miami, but I think the defensive front is going to be too much. I'm not worried about their defensive secondary. I think they can tear that up. It'll be a lot of quick passing game, but I just see the defensive have. Of the 49ers having the final laugh. I, okay. Uh, have you... Um, sorry, that's not a dismissive. It wasn't. Um, what's the Miami's division record? Have you guys lost a division game yet? They lost against the Jets without two. Just the one. Yes. The one game. Okay. Um, so then I will say this, because again, I was going to say, our we're 0-2 in the division, which is really tough right now. I think that we are going to win our next couple games and that you guys are going to win your next couple games. And I think it truly will come down to that game. So you're picking Miami. Yeah, I'm picking. Game, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm picking Miami in this game. Oh, yeah, man. I am. Um, so it's I, I think it'll be very fun. I think it'll be a very close game. Um, but uh, OK, let's go to the last one. Bucks hosting the Saints. This one is part of my Tom Brady hatred, but also part of this is gross and I don't want to be anywhere near this game because <laughs> how many times do I pick against the Saints this year and they came out and 
uh, culprit number one, the Raiders blowout. It was twenty four nothing, right? Like how many? I'm going to be multiple times this year. Um, and the Bucks, I just no, never want to pick stats. them. So <laughs> I'm giving you this game. Yeah. So I know you said you think the Saints are going to win this game. I disagree. I think the Bucks are going to win this one. They got the monkey off their back of Tom not being able to beat. New Orleans earlier this year and a 20 to 10 win. I think New Orleans is coming off their own shutout loss. So right now they're not clicking. I just don't see them having the firepower because outside of Chris Lave and I love Alvin Kamara, but Alvin Kamara has not been Alvin Kamara this year. I don't get why they don't throw to him 48 times because it seems to be where he does his most damage, but they're like, here's four passes, Alvin have fun and it doesn't work, and they lose, and it's ugly. I think the Bucks get this one done. All right, all right. I respect it. I hate <laughs> it, but I respect it. All right, so you went two home teams, one road team, the Commanders taking down the New Jersey Giants, the Dolphins falling short in San Francisco against the 49ers. And I'm wrong, though. What? I said, I hope I'm wrong. Yes. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking care of business against the Saints, who really should just honestly put Jameis Winston back in just to see. I still don't, don't, I still I still, don't get I just, it. Uh, a I couple weeks ago, it, I was like, yeah. why are they doing this? I still don't yeah. know. Regardless. All right. Here we go. So you're confident in this, this week's picks. So let's. Uh, let's I am very a, confident in my let's picks. Let's get a 3 and 0 and let's get me a 2 and 1 with me being wrong here. So how about the Jaguars traveling up to Detroit? Uh, I'm picking the Jaguars here and I'm super confident about this. I get why. Why people wouldn't be because on the outside looking in it looks like this should be a good matchup I'm telling you it's not the Jaguars are going to win this one because of this the Lions are 31st in total defense and the Jags are 13th so everybody's going to think oh this is a fun game this is crazy but like 31st in I, defense gave Buffalo a run hey hush <laughs> um I'm 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 picking Jags confidently by I think at least ten points I'm gonna say because because uh, Trevor Lawrence is now in the top eleven in every major passing stat and he has looked awesome in his last handful of starts he obviously just pulled up this huge cool upset and while the Lions I think are a good offense are now facing a very good defense who's 13th in the NFL in total defense that's been playing a lot better lately and I just think Jacksonville has has too much I think they have too much talent to to and I think that you know there are two ways games can go following emotional victories like last week you could fall flat because you gave too much or you can really grab that momentum um, you like how every now and then I like turn to the TV as if I'm like looking at an audience. I don't know if you've ever <laughs> noticed that. <laughs> I just feel like I just noticed it myself. Regardless, everybody, uh, um, I just think that they're gonna. That's gonna be a catalyst for them, and I think they're gonna come out swinging here and win this game there by at least go. ten. There we go. How about the Chiefs? Traveling to Cincinnati. This was the one of the three that I said was the hardest one for me. But for me, I think it's very comfortably the Chiefs. I just think the Chiefs are about to... Um, they've just been amazing. Patrick Mahomes is like undefeated in December and on the road or something like that. It's a really stupid stat it's that I've seen. Like winless against Joe Burrow. Yeah, it's, it's true, but not that many matchups. Only two, I think, right? Yeah. Um, and they both happened last year. Uh, I just think that there's too much. I, I know that Chase is back. I know that uh, Mixon might play as well. I don't know he's for sure. Trending that he's way. been he's been limited. So I think it'll be a good game. I just think that in a key moment. Joe Burrow's going to get sacked. And in a key moment, Patrick Mahomes is going to have plenty of time. And I think it's going to come down to that. You were just hyping up that defense. It's been good. But again, like... Taking the Chiefs I'm going to take the Chiefs. 
Last but not least, those uh, go for it on two points versus the overtime Kings. Yeah. Chargers versus the Raiders. The Raiders suck, and I hate them. (laughs) I'm picking the Chargers in this one. And again, I think that this is a team that I think they're now six and four. I think this is a team that is fighting for their playoff life for sure. But I think this is a team that has kind of wavered injuries, obviously played a huge aspect in it. God, that can't be a drinking game because you'd have to get your stomach pumped if you kept saying every year, drink every time you say the injuries are a concern with the Chargers, right? <laughs> but I just think that this is a team that's been looking for something to galvanize them and something to be that catalyst. And I think Brandon Staley saying, no, this is not about to happen to us again. We are not about to lose another close game. Go get two yards and let's walk out of here with a victory. I think they're now going to be like, yeah, that's our guy. This is our team. We're not afraid of anybody. And they're just going to beat the Raiders and stay in the hunt. There we go. So you took all three road teams. Your road warrior this week, Mr. Rossi. The Jaguars over the Lions, the Chiefs over the Bengals, and the Chargers over the Las Vegas Raiders. 3-0. Let's go. We can't get out of it yet, boys. I just want to. I want it to come down to last week, right? I don't want it to be wrapped up already. That's all. <laughs> um, regardless, um, I have one cold read, uh, and then we can do some fantasy corner, okay? Let's do it. Uh, we semi-talked about this on the walk to work this morning. Um, quarterback stats, right? We talk about wins not being quarterback stats, or you can't use passer rating only, or you can't use touchdown interception ratio. That doesn't work. You can't use wins, right? You can't use this, that, 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 that. If you had to pick one, now I, you know what? I don't even want to do that because that's boring. Because you're going to be like, you can't pick one. How? <laughs> how? What, what would your process be to say this is a great quarterback? Um, what is my process? Yes, like my original question was going to be pick one stat that you're like, if that's the stat, I know they're a great quarterback. But I think the real answer, honest answer is you can't pick one, right? So like, which ones do you pay most attention to, right? Like when you're like, they have to have these two or three things and then I'm like, that's a great quarterback. Okay. Um, Accuracy, that's pretty lame to say, but that's important sure, for me. But it's important that you said accuracy and not completion percentage because that can be a bloviated stat. Yes. I will say fourth quarter rating. I want to know how you perform at the end of games. Um, and then my third would be... Well, now I feel like am I like scouting a quarterback? It would be communication. I want to know how we can... How he can handle himself in the huddle. Um, okay. I think that's really awesome. And I think you just described Drew Brees. <laughs> well, Drew Brees is my guy. <laughs> I know. I know and I, that's why I'm laughing is because it's exactly like – and it's so funny because it's what you do in Madden too where you're, you're like, I want an I <laughs> accurate quarterback. And, yeah, that's fun. I've done a scrambling quarterback. That's true. And Madden's, Madden. not, Madden's not a good example. But that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like that's um, – I think that's – you're absolutely right. With those three things, um, for me, it's are they attractive? But I understand. I mean, if it's that's free. how they win. <laughs> Colin Coward has a whole thing about that. He does. All right, that's my that's my one cold read. Okay, uh, my cold read is a little less uh, creative than that. So we were talking, and I asked you a few weeks ago about the state of the LA Rams. This is the worst. Uh, not statistical, but record-wise through this many weeks, the winning Super Bowl champ has ever been, which I think is pretty nuts. 
where do they go from here? What happens? Aaron Donald is missing his first game ever due to an injury. Cooper Cup's obviously on IR. Matt Stafford has been battling these injuries. We're getting to a point where, you know, they handed out these large contracts, and so we're going to have to start thinking about different things. There's fluxes and question marks surrounding the running back room, what's going to be of their wide receivers now that, like I said, Cup and Allen Robinson are out requiring surgery. What is the state of this franchise moving forward? So first and foremost, I want to say that um, I caught a like, like a like the ADHD person that I am. I looked at my books next to you. And I was like, wow, I really read both of those in the last month. I feel really proud of myself. It's basically and, what you're saying is you weren't. And like, I didn't know what team you were talking about until you said Aaron Donald. I was like, all right, I'm back. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I think, so I want, this is with the caveat, that if everybody um, next year were able to like have an off season and be healthy um, and reload and try again with the same roster, I would like to see that because I think that that roster is still a winning roster. That's my one caveat. If they're fully healthy, I'd like to see it. But truly, my real answer is they need to blow it up. They need to get rid of every player in the offseason that's oh worth that's worth any amount of picks. Somebody wants to give you a third or a second round pick for Aaron Donald because he's in his 30s, but he's still dominant. Bye. Thank you. Somebody wants to do anything for Matt Stafford. Yes, please get out. The only player that I want to keep, <laughs> the only player that I want to keep on this roster is Cooper Cup. Everybody else is I for feel sale. Like he'd be the one that's worth the most. Everybody else is for sale. He's a thirty-year-old wide receiver. I know, I know, but wide receivers can play like a lot later, and certainly a player like Cooper Cup, who's not like the athletic freak kind of player. Um, I just think that the reason is because they don't have the means to recoup anything. Right? They're cap strapped. Obviously, although they normally always figure out they don't have any picks whatsoever. So it's not like they can get young guys in here. They don't have like a young up and coming quarterback to be like, well, let's just figure out what this young quarterback, right? Like there's just so many things that they do not have and there's nothing they can do about it, but just see if they can start blowing it all up. Now, if that is going to be with Sean McVay, that's great. I actually would love to see Sean McVay build a roster again from the bottom up in a couple of years and see if he can get him back, right? Um, but I think the most likely scenario and don't I this is a bold prediction, but I'm going to do a bold prediction right now. I think that this keeps getting worse and worse and worse, and I think that Sean McVay and the Rams mutually agree to part ways at the end of the year. And that Sean McVay goes into broadcasting. Oh, man. Now, I have people that are close to McVay have said, like Peter Schrager is good friends with him from Good Morning Football and Fox. He has said on podcasts that McVay is not going out like this. There's no way. Like him and Donald uh, Donald and, and Stafford aren't going to go out like this. There's, they're too competitive for that. And so part of me feels like um, it's leaning towards the let's get everybody healthy and just run it back next year thing is most likely. But if I'm going to make a bold prediction, I think that I'm not going to be stunned if they mutually agreed to part ways and then the Rams decide we're – Doing this all over again. So I'll poke a little deeper. <laughs> you think week one against the Buffalo Bills, everyone was there. Everyone was healthy. It was a returning team. Maybe in some ways more improved. They got Bobby Wagner. They got Allen Robinson, et cetera, et cetera. But you think if they just get healthy, they have their players again, that it snaps. It, it is. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think I would bet on that, but I – I think it's unfair to I think it's not it's not we don't have enough all the enough variables to solve the equation of the 2022 Rams season right now um there's still variables that we haven't been able to fill in yet sure. so for me 
I don't think it's out of the question that they could all come back healthy next year and be an 11 to 13 win game. Was that the right sentence? Uh, an 11 to 13 games one team, sure. right? And be right back in the mix. I don't think that that's out of the question, right? Maybe they learn that they can throw the ball to Allen Robinson when everybody's healthy. I don't know. Um, not out of the ordinary. Um, maybe Cam Akers comes back and decides to reconcile his differences and play for the team, right? Uh, and play well and they use him, right? Who knows? Um, but I think my bull prediction is more fun. Sure, sure. It is. All right, let's do a little fantasy corner before we round out the episode. There we go. So we won last week, but we also lost last week. So we are sitting at a solid 512 and 12. I just, this team is hysterical. It's hysterical. But this is one of the first times that we've done it after we run waivers. So we did get uh, the running back from the Jets that crushed it last week, Knight. And then we also got Benny Snell to sort of handcuff if Najee's not going to play. Although I read today that the injury is not considered, quote, serious, end quote, for Najee. Yeah, that's good news because originally I saw a tweet from, like, one of those, like, sports doctor guys that were like, I think it's a hernia and he's going to be out for the rest of the year. I'm like, oh, no. Uh, So hearing that it's not thought to be serious is good news. I think it's still smart that we snagged Benny Snell. We were talking Monday about whether or not we just spend the money to get them because we had it and we're getting near – to where the playoffs are anyways. So, you know, if we don't make it or we lose like one and done, there's no point in having the excess money. So I think it was smart. Even if these players don't result in much of anything, it's better for us to have at least tried than to have done nothing. And I don't always And also, and also like, yes, for sure. But also, you know, it's good that we made sure we got a guy like Snell because even if Najee's fine, what happens in, if two weeks we sneak into the playoffs and Najee then goes down for the year? Yeah. Then we have a guy, right? Right. I will say I think it is semi-ironic that we finally dropped Zamir White and now is the week that Jacobs is not practicing. So it's. I think yeah. Jacobs is not practicing as a precaution, okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. How dare you, is, sir? This is what we do. This is what we do here with our team. But when Devin Singletary goes down and we get starting running back James Cook, it's going to be awesome. So we are sitting at 12 and 12. We didn't move at all, which is disappointing. But I will say what we said last week, stupid, is that everyone up to. The number four seed is now a game within us. So it was still important to do what we did, even though we didn't move up in the rankings. We're right, right there. We, is it two weeks to the playoffs, I think? There are so we, two weeks. Yes, yeah, so it's two weeks. So again, we needed to stay water, right? But if we can get, I think if if just one of the next two matchups, we get that 2-0, and o, I think we're good. I will uh, say As long this, as we don't go 0-2 and, and then 1-1 one and 1-1, one and one and one, I think we got it. <laughs> This week, uh, we are playing someone with a rare or worse record than us. 
doesn't mean anything. We can absolutely lose those games. But week 14, the final before the playoffs, we are playing the right now six seed team that has the same record as us. That so matches that up perfectly a, for us. We need that. That's it. Kind of oh boy. Oh man. <laughs> oh yeah. Here we go, Jim. Here we go, Jim. Okay. <laughs> so you know what's disappointing in my opinion is last week I came on and banged my fist for the Seattle Seahawks defense and I was like splash plays and they actually had them. They had two turnovers. They had a sack. But, of course, the Raiders has had to put up 40 points for the first time this year. <laughs> the, funny, the funniest thing about this is that we complained about the Falcons. were like, one point? And isn't it negative points for Seattle? Yeah, see, Seattle had like <laughs> negative 0.5. They're still the number eight overall defense. Although, do we want to keep them against the Rams? Uh, I do. Okay. I do. I do. Like, I liked what I saw from Perkins, actually, but... Um, I just they made splash plays against a team that scored forty. I think they could make splash plays against a team that's probably not going to score forty. I don't know. Watch out, Cam Akers, everybody. Silly, silly, silly. Watch out, Cam Akers. So we're we're in a pivotal stretch, like you said. We picked up a couple guys. I'm not always the guy that equates more waiver moves equals more wins. I don't think that's necessarily a thing, but I think right now is the time of year to do it, to spend that, to set ourselves up. Like you said, if we lose Najee, even if he plays this week and he's okay, but if in two weeks he goes down or whatever, we have the guy now versus needing him and not having him. Yes, and like then you want to be early on those kind of pickups. Then I mean, maybe he'll come out against Minnesota and just light it up. Which would be awesome. Um, we'll have that guy. I got a dynasty question for you. So in our in our in the diehard league that I'm in that we talked about last week, um, I am facing the division leader. I am eight and four, and the division leader in my division is nine and three. Ooh. Um, now I am the fifth highest scoring person in this sixteen person league. So I actually have a very good team. Okay. Um, and I I'm facing them, and right now. I'm going to read you my lineup, and I have one lineup question. Let's do it. So my starting offense, this is an IDP league for those listening, uh, is Josh Allen, Devin Singletary, Ramondre Stevenson, Gabe Davis, Debo Samuel, Dalton Schultz, and Cortland Sutton. That's my starting offense. My starting defense is Justin Houston, Tremaine Edmonds, G- Grady Jarrett, Kenny Clark, Ed Oliver, Patrick Queen, Jeremiah Owusu-Kormoa, Preston Smith, Jack Sanborn, Kenny Moore, um, and then I have an injured uh corner that I have to fix. Well, my question for you is, do I still play um, Devin Singletary at the running back and Cortland Sutton at the flex position, or do I consider guys like Jarek McKinnon, Samaje Pirine, and Devin DuVernay in one of those spots? Um, I think no. I think you stick with what you stick have in there have. right okay. now. Um, I think, and obviously if if Sorry, I just totally blanked. If Joe Mixon doesn't play, then I consider swapping P. Ryan for Singletary because this is a PPR, right? And I know he didn't go crazy the way he did two weeks ago, but I like that. Um, but I do expect Mixon to be back, so I think you hold there. I'm really disappointed by this Ravens offense right now. It is it is not going. I was like, oh, yeah, Devin DuVernay. Like, Bateman went down, and everybody knows how much I love Bateman. I was like, DuVernay's going to get, like, this opportunity, and he looked like he showed some flashes, and then he's caught, like, five balls over the last five weeks, and it's like, what the heck's going on? So I can't, in good consciousness, be like, yeah, like, this is the week it finally gets going because I just don't know. I will say I might have to play him if Debo doesn't play. I might have to move Sutton into my wide receiver and then flex DuVernay if, if Debo's out. Well, he's questionable, right but now? he's what, questionable. But the trade deadline was 
was uh, this week in, in Die Hard, and I did make a deadline deal. I acquired Jimmy Garoppolo for Tyler Huntley. Okay. Yeah. I don't have a backup quarterback otherwise, so... Um, well, at least you get your guy for guaranteed for this year. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think he'll I be a starter. He'll be a starter next year somewhere. Oh yeah, but I'm saying like I, I love the no, possibilities I, yeah. of Huntley. I do like, too. I'm like that's so fun. It's so good. What's but. really funny is the person who's been trying. This person's been trying to get Huntley for me all year, um, and even in the off season. But it was always like Huntley and a pick for a quarterback that's a starter, right? And like so, the last off last couple offers were like Huntley and a a second Huntley and a third for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I kept saying no, because I was like, I don't need a backup right now for this season because yeah. I have Allen. The bye week has already happened. And I was like, and I think Huntley could be something. And then this morning he offered straight up and I accepted it immediately. And he was like, you just didn't want to give up a pick on. Huh? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I was like, I think that right now me having a security, knowing I can start a guy in case Allen gets hurt for my playoff run yeah. is more valuable to me than holding on to the hope that Huntley can become something. Sure. Which I do think he could be if he yeah, got a shot. I think you did that. Correct. I, like I think I know Gino is being awesome, and I have a tidbit about Gino in a second here. But Tyler Huntley with Seattle would be fun. Um, all right, I've got four quick tidbits, and then that's all. Uh, tidbit number one: thirty-nine games this year have ended with a team that um, was down in the fourth quarter winning. That is the most in, in history since twenty eleven. So it's been over ten years since this many fourth quarter comebacks have happened. That's neat. <laughs> a reason for this is that second half scoring by teams that are winning is down by 25%. So teams that are leading are either just getting figured out or they're playing too conservatively. I don't know exactly what it is, but 25% overall from last year, a second half scoring by leading teams. Um, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast today and Warren Sharp of Sharp Football, he's a big analytics guy, suggested that coaches uh, play more Madden in the offseason to learn late game scenarios. And I was like, I said that first. But I wanted to say that this is a very interesting point that he brought up is that coaches study game tape, right? They don't watch games, right? Coaches don't watch games from start to finish and get a feel for it. They literally just watch tape and that's it, right? And I know this can seem like a stupid thing to point out, but there's a certain level of like understanding that you can't have about when to go for it and when not to go for it. If all you're looking at, or not even just that, but like the types of play calls and stuff you should make when all you understand is I watched a play that was this on a Sunday afternoon after a game. Right. Um, and Mina Kimes also brought this up about like some of the Colts decisions late is that sometimes we, um, completely underanalyze late game scenarios where we literally just go numbers say go for it go for it or I feel like we should go for it so go for it like I feel like sometimes we don't think about it enough and I agree with that for head coaches too they should play more Madden I'm just saying <laughs> um, and last but not least the Geno stat that everybody was waiting for from a comment I made four minutes ago uh, 29 quarterbacks in the NFL have played at least 50% of their team's snaps of that 29 number one completion percentage Geno Smith 72 Point eight. Number 29, Russell Wilson, Broncos country, let's die. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm sorry I like Russell Wilson, but I had a really fun tweet about apparently Sierra, his wife, threw a party for Russell Wilson for his birthday and only 50% of the team showed up. So I had a fun Bo Callahan moment there. <laughs> I don't get why Bo Callahan gets such a bad rep. I'm sure he did great in Seattle. I really would love to see the sequel to Draft Day, and that puts me with a room of like maybe 
nobody else. Um, because I really would love to see like 10 years after the deal. What's it look like? Oh, Cleveland would have been trash. Uh, I don't know. I feel yeah, very confident no, about what No one did. picks the running back at six. They get David Putney. What are you talking about? And then they drafted a quarterback at seven. First or of all, a running, a running back. back. A yeah, running okay. Back. There have been very good running backs drafted in the top 10. Newsflash. What, like in 2001? Uh, McCaffrey was drafted in the top 10. Zeke Elliott was drafted in the top 10. Like... Derrick no. Henry was drafted in the top 10. Like Derrick Henry was a second round pick. Yeah, you're right. I, as soon as I said it, <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, don't call me out of that. Don't call me out of that. I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. You got a friend's fortune since we sometimes don't do them. My friend's fortune is by the time you will have listened to this podcast, Buffalo will have this uh, time travel thing that we totally botched last First time. First of all, I was, thought it was a lot of fun, even though we got all of it wrong. Um, yes. By the time you will have listened whoa. to this, whoa, great Scott! We're in the future. Um, yeah, future's cool. I was just trying to. Set By you the up. time we will, you have listened to this podcast, Buffalo will have won its first divisional game of the year by only one point. Come down to the wire. At first, I was like, Adam, that's Buffalo. Buffalo only wins by one point and a nail biter against the New exciting. England Patriots. That sounds exciting. That's much better than being like Buffalo won. Like, okay. Isaiah Pacheco is going to have 150 plus scrimmage yards and a score. That's a good defense. That's a good defense. I feel like you saw my face and didn't think it was shocked enough. And no, then you added I, the score in. I wrote, it down. Oh, I wrote okay, it down. Okay. Okay. His his highest thus far is 125. I think it might it's rounded to 125. I think he's going to go for 150 plus and a score. I, I think like that. Pacheco's Yeah, he's gotten better 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 he's now like, that this is me now. Edwards Larris was put on IR. He like, caught two balls. Which maybe, I find really weird. Maybe Melvin Gordon will week. cut into that work. Yeah. <laughs> caught one last week. I think he's going to okay. catch a few more right. this week. I like that. Be a fun game as well. Thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch, folks. Uh, make sure you check the Run Your Pool. Josh and Mike right now, neck and neck. Mike's got a two-game lead. I'm still... No, I have a two-game lead. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. I don't know. Regardless. <laughs> somebody somebody has a two-game no, lead. Mine. I'm in the top four as well. I'm not out of it, although I'm kind top of out of out it. Of five people. Shh. There were seven. It's <laughs> um, supposed to sound there, like it's I a mean, very. Technically, you know what? So we've gotten a lot of new won. listeners during this year. Next year, keep an eye out for the Run Your Pool Pick 'em Pool for Simultaneous Catch. You can get a free paraphernalia. Um, thanks for listening to the show. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at Simult Catch, Instagram Simultaneous Catch. Um, we haven't plugged our Facebook in ages because I don't use it anymore. So oh. sorry. Um, anything else? Nope. Enjoy week 13, guys. Go Bills. God bless.